family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, president of Paradigm Security Services. We are excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel here in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage, which you just heard. By the way, they are looking for master mechanics. They're looking for somebody to help out. They're growing like crazy. And the Manor Scholarship Fund, who does alternate weeks here at this time slot. On every show, we feature businesses and organizations in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve in the Gwinnett County area. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and we'll touch on that and other related aspects of security as we go through the course of each of our shows. Our guest today, I'm very happy to have Mr. Andrew Hickson. He is the National uh, Cooperative Bank's Vice President and does a whole lot of stuff. He's uh, associated with the uh, Gateway 85 CID. He's on city councils. He's, I mean, you name it, this guy is involved in something. I'm a new dad, too. And so. he's a new dad, yeah. In March, he had a little daughter. What's her name? Uh, Sarah. Sarah. That's my daughter's name. Did you spell it with an H? No, don't yes, let me. that was required to have that. Yeah, okay, I hear you. <laughs> um, so, you know, I like to always start with a question like, uh, who's Andrew Hickson? Who are you? I mean, where do you come from? How, how'd you get here? What got you into what you're doing? And, yeah. Uh, how'd you get mixed up in all the stuff that you're in? Well, that's a good question. So my parents moved to so. Gwinnett and. 1986. So I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, and then my mother got a job down here in Swanee. So we moved to the Lawrenceville area. 1985, 1986, I'm not really familiar. I don't remember. So I'm a Gwinnett <laughs> County graduate. Um, and then I remember my parents. I went away to college and then moved back to Norcross when my parents moved there in 2001. Uh, a few years later, fast forward, I was in banking. I was running a branch, and then I got an opportunity to get into HOA banking, which is what I do now. Uh, that was in 2008. Um, 2008 is also when I was elected to the Norcross City Council. Well, I know that you stay very active in your community. Uh, you're constantly doing something to, to, not just to stay busy, but to help out and, and help everybody. And the City Council is a big part of that. Uh, I know that uh, the C, working with the CID, being on that board, that's a big part of it. Uh, probably the best way they ever came up with in helping out communities is through those CIDs. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sold on them. And that's just not that's not just because we provide security for a couple of them. But 
I just think it was an awesome idea when they came up with it. Yeah, great. It's great. I'm the treasurer of the Gateway 85 CID. I'm appointed by the city of Norcross, and I'm elected by um, the local property owners. So we're a self-taxing district, and what we do, um, we, we're focused mostly on security, as you know, yeah. um, uh, transportation, and beautification. Those are our, our three big areas that we really focus on. And in doing so, we're a self-taxing district, so if we raise our own funds, and then we bring in partner dollars so for every dollar that we bring in we'll maybe bring in for every dollar that we tax we maybe bring in around seven dollars in matching grants from either the federal government through the arc through gwinnett county through our local partnerships so really great leverage um, to get a lot of stuff done it's really a great partnership i know from the city of norcross standpoint it's a great partnership because we get uh, great security uh, in that area well the county has been real cooperative um, with the cids as well it's been a great a great public-private partnership. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, you work in the um, National Cooperative Bank, and the key word being co-op. Yeah. So what is a co-op? Well, a co- uh, the best example of a co-op, there's, there's three big examples. There's um, your electric membership corporations. Mm-hmm. So you think about Jackson EMC here in this area. Uh, REI is a, is a big co-op. And then... You, you, banks, credit unions. So those are the big um, credit unions in particular. Not um, My bank is very unique. Um, but credit unions in particular are membership owned. So when you open an account in a credit union, when you have an account with Jackson EMC, or when you're a member like REI, those are what co-ops are. So the cooperative organizations, their betterment for the, the their shareholders are their members, and the objective is to accomplish their shareholders and their members' objectives. Well, that's interesting you bring up, because I know everybody is familiar with credit unions, Mm -hmm. that type of a function. Uh, So it's kind of interesting to think of of the bigger banks being in a a co-op type of situation. Well, you know, you talk about it being different. How is NCB... Uh, different than other banks. Yeah, so we are a cooperative ourselves. Um, we got we started in uh, 1978. We're congressionally chartered. Uh, we're one of the only, one of the very few congressionally chartered banks, and we are we were specifically started to help cooperatives, uh, primarily in like New York City, Washington D.C. And when you think of a housing co-op, so a housing co-op is 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 what we started doing and then we kind of we got into the HOA business into the community association business and then we we do a lot of other socially responsible type of financing wind power um, we bank a lot of credit unions anyone who's in the benefit of their members is what National Cooperative Bank is in the business of well how does that work with an HOA because you Mm -hmm. brought that up a couple times being in the HOA co-op business how does it work with homeowner associations? So HOAs are there, there, there's some unique standpoints to HOAs, and, and HOAs get a lot of bad press. It's it's usually you know it's usually someone, the board members. <laughs> yeah, it's usually you know a flag can't be flying or a, 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 yeah. someone painted their house a certain color, and um, you know you know they get a lot of press about that. But most a lot of Americans in uh, do live in HOAs. Almost 25 percent of Americans, I think, live in. Um, HOAs here in Georgia, there's around 11,000 HOAs. Every new neighborhood in the city of Norcross is an HOA, and I'm sure every new neighborhood here in Gwinnett County is an HOA. And uh, there's about almost two and a half million people that live in HOAs in Georgia alone. 
HOAs is a unique business. Most of us see the benefit of it when we drive through an HOA community, uh, common property upkeep. There's amenities that they upkeep. It's, it's I never thought I'd be in the HOA space, but it's been a unique opportunity. Um, I like to I like to joke that I have. Um, you know, around 25,000 bosses at any given time. A, a board <laughs> member can call me because I do banking. So we do HOA bank accounts and HOA loans. So for every person that's on the board, they can give me a call and say, what's going on? So I have quite a few customers uh, not <laughs> when it comes to uh, people in charge. Quite a few bosses. Quite a few bosses, yeah. <laughs> I know, well, where I live in, in Richland, it's, you know, we've been there a little over 30 years mm-hmm. and we had an HOA. With HOAs are the type of thing that most people find are absolutely fantastic to live in until you get the letter that you're doing something <laughs> wrong or that you they don't like what you're doing. Then all of a sudden it hits now the social media thing. But uh, back then it, it just, you know, people griped about it. But, you know, it's all it's most people live within the right bounds. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. I, and I, the, you know, the board members do get a bad rap. Uh, but but their their objective is, is never to make people's lives hard. Their objective is to enforce the, the covenants and the restrictions of the HOA, and that's what that's what they're trying to do. And it, it, sometimes it can seem um, unfair, or sometimes it can seem um, arbitrary. But there's always a reason for it, and and they're serving. You know, they're not paid, so board members get a bad rap, but they absolutely are vital. Well, I probably help give them a bad rap. So, <laughs> I, to me, it's like I, I don't want to be on one because I was on an HOA board for one year in 2007, and I I, I, I liked it so much I ran for city council instead. <laughs> I just got out of that and into, into real politics. You know, it, uh, my feeling is a lot of times the people that I run into, and in my business, I run into HOAs a lot mm-hmm. in security business. So you have a lot of people that go on there that have never had any control or any power in their whole life. Now they're on an HOA board, and it's like, ah, I'm in control. Well, there's a certain aspect to that. But I think in, in our business, uh, I've been lucky enough to see a lot of people that really just care. Um, they do in my neighborhood, too. Yeah. So, you know, it, and I, I, that more of a, it's become more of a joke than it's yeah. been anything else. But, you know, I know a lot of the people that are on my board. One of them is my neighbor. And... Uh, you know, it, they try. They yeah, really they do. try. They really try. So, and that's a lot of what we do. Um, so, Richland has like a neighborhood pool, a big neighborhood pool, and um, Richland has um, maybe some private streets. I don't know, but a lot of time, what my bank does is we specialize in um, fin- financing for HOA projects. So, a lot of times, especially in this rate environment, especially with a big condo, like a big condo will have a multi-million dollar. Uh, facade or window replacement it all needs to be done at once and so we do a lot of lending for that it's really unique space Um, and then we also do cash management so when you pay your age it's much more common in uh, townhome communities and condos where they're paying monthly right but we do a lot of month we do we do payment collection as well yeah i wouldn't have that job Um, (laughs) well what does ncb act do they actually specialize in any of those areas yeah i would say our we do cash management and lending, uh, capital financing for, for deferred maintenance projects. So roads, uh, swimming pools. I, I just um, There's a clubhouse out in Lake Oconee that I'm working on a deal right now, um, and they want to refurbish their clubhouse. So once they That's start meeting again, and th- the idea is, hey, let's get a loan for this, and we don't have to special assess our members. So, you, so how do they find you uh, when they're looking to do loans and stuff? How does somebody find NCB? 
Well, um, that's my job. I'm a business development officer, so it's to go out and make sure they can find me easily. A lot of what we do is through come the management on, companies. Come on, podcast line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we do, um, I work with managers. A lot of the time, there's a, there's a local um, chapter called Community Associations Institute. Uh-huh. And what that is, its objective is to raise awareness about community associations. Its objective is to educate its members and to just serve the better overall community association uh, community. And in that we do a lot of networking with managers so when a manager has a question about financing they'll usually reach out to you know it's just about building relationships just like you 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 get to know people and then when they have a question about a loan they they, you become their trusted advisor and even if we don't have the right rate or we don't have the the best terms um we want to be the people they come to to make sure they understand the process you know and i i think that is a a fantastic approach because a lot of people seem to go in to the whole process with a I'm here to make a connection to get you to come to me to be yeah. a client instead of being out there as you say to be a trusted advisor yeah and I well, that's know, relationships just take time absolutely it's about repetition it's about getting to know people mm-hmm. and in insecurity uh, that's one of the things that you want to be is a trusted advisor and that's when you know if you have questions come to us we give you advice and that's what you want to do is we may not be, and I've done it in the past, we may not be the right solution for your security services because you may be wanting to really find somebody that's really, really cheap yeah. or something like that, and then we're just not going to be that. And But at the same time, I'll give you some suggestions of what you need to be looking for. Don't do certain things, and you need to look at certain things, which sounds to me that's pretty much the role that you you like to fit in is yeah. that trusted advisor. Yeah, and it, it's I think that's just the best way to do business, and that's people buy from people they know, people yeah. buy from people they trust, exactly. and ultimately, you know, um, you're in sales and I'm in sales, and our objective is to is to get some deals done. But we really do want to make sure that they understand the process, that it's a good experience, because if if I talk to a manager and their board doesn't like my product, but they love the experience, that manager is going to say that I look good to this board and I want to look good to the rest of my boards. And Andrew can make me do that. So it's really about helping that manager understand the process and, and building that relationship over time. Well, and I'm sure, like me, you know, I've turned down business from time to time that um, I don't feel like if I went in there, I would I would come out looking bad because what they want is something that is – um, well, I won't be giving names. So what they want is something that's so cheap that they want to try to get the cheapest thing they can get, but they don't. So they don't want to pay for it, but they want the coverage. Yeah. And I won't do it if I'm going to look bad in it, and I'm not going to do be able to do a good job for what they're wanting. I'll just turn them down. Yeah. And I would imagine you're kind of in the same position as letting people know we're not maybe a fit for you because of what you want, and you know it, we're not the best fit for you and giving them suggestions from in, in other directions. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I've, I've done that quite a few times. I, I, I'm lucky enough to cover the whole Southeast. And there's some markets that we're just not as familiar with and some markets that don't work for our business model very well. And I'll reach out to local bankers if there's um, if there's a con, uh, like a com- condominium that has, needs a loan, it doesn't fit our underwriting criteria for whatever reason. It's all about just trying to help them get their objectives met. And, yeah. and, and if, if that's with someone else, that's fine. But I'd love for it to be with me, but that's not always going to happen. Well, and it's like you say, it's not always a fit. Mm-hmm. It might not be good business for you and NCB either. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's all about finding that right fit and helping the people find the fit. Next time that you are the right fit, 
they're going to come back to you yeah. and talk to you. Well, that's the funny part about being in the government side of it, too. It's always, uh, you know, we're looking for that lowest bid, lowest bid, yeah. lowest bid. But we're lucky, um, you know, lowest qualified bid is what is exactly. what is, is, the way is they word it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's always important because someone can come in and say, hey, we're going to come in and do this deal. And it's, it's you know, I get to see a it's lot like of bids. There's no way. <laughs> there's no, yeah, how are you going to do that? And, and, and you realize that they're just going to do change orders. And there's a lot, a lot of aspects to it. So. No, I, I totally agree. Now, in order to loan money, you have to have money. Mm-hmm. So I guess when would a community association or co-op borrow money? Well, that's a great point. So ideally, in an ideal world, uh, an association uh, with a professional manager would be saving their money along the way for their deferred maintenance. So they would they would have an engineer come out and say, hey, you got to replace this road in 10 years. It's going to cost you $50,000. You need to save $5,000 a year for the next 10 years, and then it'll be done. Uh, that's an ideal world. And a lot of communities do operate that way because there's a lot of professional managers that help with that. Um, but it's not always, it's just not always going to be the case. Um, and sometimes there's benefits to um, taking out a loan. Um, for example, if you and I, and, and if you live, you and I lived in a condominium together and uh, we wanted to refurbish the, the facade or redo the interior walkways, which is all common area. Well, if you're selling your house next week and the community special assesses you for $5,000, you have to pay $5,000 and you'll never enjoy those yeah, amenities. $5,000 goodbye present. Yeah. And <laughs> so that one of the good things about the loan is it, it the assumption of liability goes directly to the association. Oh, okay. So the associate, so, and, and that's a really unique thing about the HOA. So the HOA is a business in itself. So it can borrow money, it can assess money, and it is in business to, to, for, the, for the owner's benefits. And in those cases, the facade grant, or the facade, for example, would be, hey, this is a 15-year project. It costs two and a half million bucks. We're going to assess it. We're going to borrow all the money now. We're going to finish the project. And then we're going to pay it back, just like, just like with your house. Yeah. I'm going to buy my house. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to pay it back for 30 years. Well, you know, I, I definitely can uh, relate to that. Uh, yeah, it, thirty years goes by fast, 30, and all of a sudden you don't uh, you don't own your home. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you think you're like we were talking about beforehand. You think you're mortgage free, and your wife finds another dang house. Though so, you know, hey, welcome to the welcome to the real world of reality. Know. You know, well, you know, how are community association loans different from traditional loans? <laughs> Because I, I can't imagine that they would be the same. Yeah. No. What's the number one thing? If you were to lend me money, uh, what's the number one thing you would want in, in, in return from me? The interest. Interest and security. And security, yeah. yeah so well, you, interest, if you get enough of it, can pretty much finance security. Yeah, well, then that, that's how banks work. So, you know, <laughs> hey, if I'm charging you 40%, then, well, I got lots legal, of security. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I make it up in the first few years. So um, community loans are, are really different in that, and it, there's a lot of, uh, misconceptions about it. And the number one question I get asked when I'm on board Zoom meetings or when I'm meeting with boards, it's how will this impact me? Am I responsible for this loan? And absolutely not. The community association is responsible for the loan. And it's a really unique thing because we don't, my bank and, and other banks like mine, um, we don't actually, our security is in the accounts receivable. So, because that's the only asset that a lot of these communities have is their accounts receivable stream. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have streets, I'm not sure if a lot of interest is in the streets, you know, is an asset. Some of them have clubhouses and they can borrow money against the clubhouse through um, through banks. But really, it's different in that we place a pledge against the stream of re- receivables. 
So there's no security interest in it except for that. And then the H, uh, the HOA members, you know, they can come and go, and the loan is is part of their HOA fee. So that's what's really unique about it is there's no the association enters into that loan, not the actual community members. All right. Now you mentioned condos and stuff and doing doing work with condos. How has the pandemic and the inability for some people to make those payments, how has that affected your quote-unquote security part? Um, and your- we haven't seen, uh, at least in, in, in my market, I haven't. we haven't seen that drop yet. People, awesome. pe- people do their mortgage and their, when it comes to their house, people are generally going to do everything they can to keep their house ownership versus yeah. rental yeah they're, they're gonna they're gonna do what they can you know they'll cut their netflix before they cut their hoa due so we haven't really seen that yet one of the big things and i um i, I my friend amy bray and i have talked about this a few times is just it's how is how are condominiums and communities going to reopen what's the liability for a pool what does that look like and a lot of people are still trying to figure that out um i mean it was a big deal last year now hopefully we're tapering down to the end of the pandemic but there's still a lie, you know, what happens if we open our pool as a community association and, or what happens if we open some, you know, our clubhouse and there's an outbreak, who's liable? So there's a lot of stuff like that that is being worked through. There's a lot of uh, releases being signed. Yes. <laughs> That's funny you mentioned that. We just turned, <laughs> we just turned, uh, I, maybe you saw this, but in downtown Norcross, we have Skin Alley and we just turned on these lights. We, we did this light yep. thing. There's a brewery there and it's just this beautiful little alley and we turned on some big um, overhead lights. And we, <laughs> right before I'm going to go up in uh, the Norcross power bucket and I'm going to count down. And right before I step in, one of my city employees hands me a release. <laughs> says, you, 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 uh, now I'm in for a penny and for a pound. I got to go up, right? Yeah. Everyone's expecting me to go up. So I got to sign away my release. I love uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> Good the politicians get it back. Out yeah. But, but, you know, that, that is a thought because I know that Richland, uh, we just opened our pool. We're, we're doing this their pool work for five or six weeks usually every summer yeah one of the few pools that we do now because we've just been doing it so long and i live there but um you know they i i very seldom go but i know we were signing releases last year wow. for anything that was done and well, that was probably the easiest most expeditious way to get it done yeah i mean if you want to go and everybody yeah. wants to go to the pool yeah they want their kids to go to the pool oh, i spent my summers in the timber ridge swim tennis area i mean i would walk down there it was it was just so much part of life yeah. to be in the swim tennis area. Of course, now I live in downtown Norcross, and it's much different because I walk to the breweries instead because I, <laughs> I, people don't want to see me swimming. It's not good to swim in breweries. <laughs> no. Never, I yeah. don't know. That may be a business model we look you may, you may not care if you get deep enough in there. Um, and those breweries that they're opening up now, these independent breweries, are just awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of fun, and, and they're just popping up everywhere. In fact, um, so there's Cultivation Brewery, which is in, in Norcross. There's Social Fox Brewery. And this Friday, uh, Partnership Gwinnett is having a, in Peachtree Corners, the town adjacent to Norcross, is opening Kettle Rock Brewery. Yep, I so, saw that. And there's going to be four breweries within uh, within you know two miles of each other. They all need to have alcohol-free beer, though. They all need to brew at least one batch of alcohol. I will, free I will, I will take. I will take that suggestion to them. Absolutely. Yeah, because you know, there's a lot of people like me. We drink the alcohol-free beer. Yeah. I don't drink alcohol, so but I love the flavor of the alcohol-free yeah. beer. 
that would be so cool to be able to go into these pubs and be able to drink and order an alcohol-free beer that they make. Uh, I will I will uh, talk to my friends at Cultivation and Social Fox and see if they can make a awesome. small little uh, batch of uh, NA beer. They can just make it the paradigm they, beer. They do the opposite, though. They don't – it's, it's instead of alcohol-free, they actually – pump up the alcohol is what i've noticed and in these micro breweries yeah they do you know that's one thing i don't do is go into a micro brewery and drink beer um but you know they can make it the paradigm beer there well we'll see well, hey this could be something we can figure it out <laughs> there you go what they were working on with um just with the connecting the communities is we're looking at how can we get we have four different breweries within a mile of each other in norcross and we're like how can we get people to go on like a like a pub crawl so hopefully we'll have some news about that coming up here that, soon. that that would be pretty cool I've, I've seen it happen in other communities and stuff where they have like wine out yeah, of, yeah. Out of the wine country they do wine crawls or mm-hmm. whatever and up in kentucky they do bourbon whiskey crawls uh that one i couldn't man i'd be crawling people. that would be that, 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 that would, would put the crawl in crawl <laughs> absolutely yeah, absolutely <laughs> wine i might be able to handle but yeah that would that would be it on the whiskey. It would be very very short crawl. Um, you know, there's just so much going on in the communities, and you know, just to get away from the bank for just a second, yeah. what do you do in the way of your community activity? I know that you do a lot. Yeah. But how how do you do it? And I know you do it on a personal basis, but I'm sure you do it as a as a business basis too. Yeah. So. Talk well, about that I, I got elected when I was just a young kid. I was 28. Um, and that is young. That I <laughs> did not have a clue what I was going. going I, Most 28-year-olds uh, don't. Since I got elected, I've, ha- I've been married. I've, um, I'm on my second house. We now have a daughter. You know, a lot's changed. And, and like, it, the interesting part is the stability was that I was an elected official. A lot's changed in my life. Um, but the stability was, hey, I'm an elected official. Every every other um, twice a month, I go to city council meetings. That's just kind of ingrained in my life now. Uh, besides the city council, I'm on the CID. I'm the treasurer of the CID, and also I serve as um, I'm a past chairman of a pedestrian organization called PEDS, and mm-hmm. where um, we're actively trying to make the world a, a Georgia in particular a safer place for people to walk. Um, and ride and and just commute in ways other than cars, especially in urban cores. Um, and and how do we make that look? So those are a lot of what we do. What I've always been interested in when it comes to being on the city council is, hey, how do I communicate with my constituents? What does that look like for me to be able to? Um, how do I get in touch with them? So we have a cookout with council coming up. We've done um, coffee with council. We've done walks with council. So these are all three ideas that I came up with. Hey, let's just get out of the traditional. Get some interactions. Yeah, get out of that town hall and let's just, let's go look. So people, like when, the biggest thing that we deal with in in the city is, hey, rezonings. Rezonings are what are going to change people's lives. It's uh, we're, Are we going to put... Can be some hot button issues. Hot, very hot button. And what I always found was helpful is just to say, hey, let's go look at what a rezoning is. Let's go walk and look at this and how many units per acre is this going to be and what will that feel like? What will the magnitude of that feel like and how will it differ from maybe what you're used to? So what it was always about just getting out and showing people and, and call me naive, but I just feel if you just give enough, if you give people enough information, they're going to, they may not agree with you, but they will at least see where you're coming from. One of the things that you just said that I liked it, that really liked the sound of is a lot of times you're zoning people and all all they do is they sit on the panel and they get the information 
from all your researchers and all your analysts and everything. They bring you, they bring them the information, and then they make a decision on it based on whatever the community may come to the meeting and, yeah. and get feedback on, or and argue with for for or against. The idea of actually taking the the zoning committee, if you will, out to a location, yep. and looking at that location instead of just seeing it on paper, that's a unique idea that I think is awesome. Yeah, and um, do we have enough time for just a quick uh, sure. story? Um, there, my my old community in Norcross was called Pinnacle Point. It was a town and community. I think we had 135 homes, right off of Buford, uh, right off of Beaver Ruin Road in Pinnacle Way, and there was a parcel right next to this community and it had been trees since i moved there it'd been trees well it'd been trees that's all it ever been right it was just it was it was just undeveloped land it was zoned for a truck stop it was zoned for a i mean you could put pretty much anything you wanted there except for like a strip club i mean anything uh, a transfer station right in the middle of the residential well i would say more more adequately the community was in the middle of uh Industrial. Industrial. That's probably more <laughs> accurate. But we we engaged that board of directors, that community association, and we said, "Here's what we're, here's what could go here. Here's what we think might be a better fit." And so there's a new townhome community right adjacent to this other townhome community, and that's not uncommon. But the biggest part of it was, hey, this is an opportunity to teach and educate these homeowner leaders about. This is what zoning is, and this is why you should pay attention to it because it can impact your property values, it can impact your your quality of life, and everyone would probably have rather have a townhome community as, as as dense as it is. They would probably rather have that townhome community next to them than a, a trans a truck transfer station. Oh, absolutely. You know where they're doing or or a mechanic a mechanic next to their home where they're doing work at six a.m. up to eleven p.m. Well, I know that. Uh over at uh, Collins Hill and Russell Road, I've heard rumors of somebody going, trying to put in a, a rezone it to a gas station right there. That's 100% residential. And I'm still trying to find out if that's really true or if it's just a rumor. Oh, rumors fly like that. Uh, uh, isn't that the truth? I don't know if I'd get into the gas station business. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. <laughs> right now, no. Today, especially not. But with the, with the advent of electrical cars and um, with uh, – and with That's what we need is one more gas station. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they make money. Well, you know, I appreciate that. Going back over here, what does uh, NCB add? Uh, how does NCB add value when helping organizations with cash management? We'll kind of close out with that one. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Rick. Uh, so one of the unique things that we do, um, we work with management companies and we collect payments. And we like to work with these management companies to offer a variety of payment options so that homeowners can make their payments how they like. So that through e-check, through ACH, through writing a check and mailing it in through basically a lockbox. And we add value by simplifying that process so that the management company is able to completely, to, to minimize the staff impact so that the management company is not opening envelopes, entering it in. We automate all of that. And, and a lot of times we, we not only automate it, we we send a file to the management company so they're not even having to put that information in. Your AR person will log in in the morning and the first thing they'll see is, hey, here's my 10 payments from the previous day. They post them and they're done with it. And what used to take hours of processing payments now takes a matter of minutes. And it's that, that's one of the most valuable things about a community association bank like National Cooperative Bank. It's We add that value by making the payment processing system seamless. We uh, make it easy for them to accomplish their goals. And it, we make it so they can get back to doing what they want to do, which is manage properties and not worry about accounting. Yeah. Uh, I know my wife does all our accounting and stuff. And 
God bless her. I just I don't want any part. You asked me a while ago, uh, how much you know? When do we? When do you pay us with the CID? And I said, you know, hell, I don't know. <laughs> That's Susan. Ask her. She can tell you right down to the second and the minute. But Andrew, thank you very much for coming on. This was a terrific discussion. Yes, sir. Thank I, you. It's nice to hear more about National Cooperative Bank. Well, I appreciate it and what y'all do. And so you know. <laughs> It's one of those things. How do they get in touch with you at National Cooperative? They want to. Well, I have a really easy phone number. Uh, it's it's five five nine H O A loan. <laughs> what a cheat! <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a Sacramento. Uh, I think it's Sacramento or some. It was the only one I, I wanted to call the whoever has it here at four hundred four H O A loan, but I, I haven't done that yet. So, or you can visit us at ncb.coop ncb.coop, and that's how you can get in touch with us. Awesome. Well, I hope that some people get in touch with you. And uh, I know several uh, community homeowner associations that probably could use you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, well, thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage and Mana Scholarship Fund. Be sure and hit that subscribe button for us so that we know that you have paid us a visit and we can get you any information and you can keep up with what's going on in in uh, Paradigm Securities world. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast every other Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. here on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on, of course, Case in Point. The program is also available on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, really anywhere that you get your podcasts, you can find us. Please be sure to subscribe again to Case in Point so you don't miss any of our future episodes. For my guest, Andrew Hickson, and our producers, Mike and Amanda, I am Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. <laughs>